You probably know Jason Womack has been the driving force behind this Road Less Traveled and New Song Concert and Eddie Middleton being here. So I invited Jason to come and introduce um, Eddie to us tonight and just bring us up to speed. I have a pair of pants just like that I almost wore tonight. Um, I told Eddie earlier when, uh, when he walked up, I said, I can have some fun with this tonight. Uh, my dad and Eddie were really good friends in the 70s. Uh, but he told me, he said, remember, I get in the microphone last, so you need to make sure <laughs> before you say too much that I get the end. But um, growing up, I always heard the name Eddie Middleton, how good of a singer he was, and my mother and father always talking about that. And as time went on, I never have ever had the opportunity to meet Eddie. But um, my father, Eddie, was singing at, um, in Sycamore at Bethel Church. And my father gave me a CD from, from, of Eddie's, and I rode around and I listened to it. And actually, I caught him out on the farm one day uh, when all of this was going on about this new song event and getting it put together and, and trying to put everything together and the right people falling in place as to who we were going to use and who could host the event. And, and I kind of I called Eddie and, and introduced myself to him over the phone and... Eddie introduced himself to me on the phone. I shared my testimony with Eddie. Eddie shared his testimony with me. We both started crying. Eddie's hosting the event with the New Song Concert next weekend. It's been awesome, a wonderful uh, opportunity to get to know Eddie over the past few months. And, and before I introduce him, I want to tell him how much I appreciate what you've done with what we've got going on. But without taking any more time, let's give a warm welcome for uh, the Reverend Eddie Middleton. <laughs> you never know when I come back to South Georgia what somebody will step up and say because I spent most of my years here lost without Christ. I was 29 before I came to know the Lord. So uh, uh, anyway, but I'm so thrilled to be here, excited about what's going on, and I'll be able to share a couple of things. But uh, Pastor, thank you very kindly. Well, they asked me to sing a few songs, and let's do that tonight. And uh, and uh, so here we are. <laughs> You know the words of this song, you can jump in and help me. We have a mighty God who's awesome and all-powerful. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. And everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior. The hope of nations, the hope of nations, join with me. Savior, he can move the mountains, my God is mighty to save, he is mighty to save forever, author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave So take me as you find me All my fears and failures Lord, fill my life again 
give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. Yes, I surrender. And all God's people said, come on, say, Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Say, My God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Savior, He can move the mountain. My God is mighty to save. Forever, author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. I know he lives because he lives within my heart. He rose and conquered. Well, tonight we'll be observing the Lord's Supper and all, and I'm excited about that as well. And I'm glad that I've said yes to him. I know what the blood and the broken body and all that means. How about y'all? Amen? But I need everybody to stand up. And uh, I want you to just, uh, I want to count to three, and everybody go, yes, Lord. Are you ready? One, two, three. Yes, Lord. Very good. Let's do this little song. Come on, crank it up, Ron. Here we go. Can we do this tonight on the Sunday? I'm trading my sorrow I'm trading my shame I'm laying them down For the joy of the Lord yeah. I'm trading my sickness I'm trading my pain I'm laying them down For the joy of the Lord Yes, sir I'm trading my shame I'm laying them down For the joy of the Lord I'm trading my sickness I'm trading my pain Help me, Lord I'm laying them down For the joy of the Lord Y'all ready? I say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Y'all got it. 
Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. Well, I'm praised but not trust, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. You know, I'm blessed beyond the curse, for his promise shall endure. His joy is going to be my strength. Though the sorrow may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. Yes, sir. I'm trading my sorrow. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Y'all ready? Say yes, Lord. I say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, for everybody. Very good. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. Did that so good? Let's do it one more time. I say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. Well, I'm praised but not trust, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. You know, I'm blessed beyond the curse, for His promise shall endure. His joy is going to be my strength. Though the sorrow may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. I'm trading my sorrow. Trading my shame, I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness, I'm trading my pain, I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Everybody. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. Because of his broken body, because of his shed blood, we can say yes to Jesus Christ. Give him a hand clap of praise. Bless your heart. You may be seated. You may be seated. Oh, man. Amen. My life was like a shell, an empty crust with no assurance. My soul was bound for hell. What love I'd known and no endurance. And I had no peace of mind, no happiness. No true deliverance, oh, in this, this emptiness, yes, this was my way. Regrets 
that's all I knew. The joys were few and so evasive. And the world, with all its charms, with open arms, seemed so persuasive. And I had no guiding light, no happiness, no true deliverance. Oh, in this, this emptiness, yes, this was my way. For what is this life? What is it worth if all I hold lies here on earth? A world that's filled with loneliness Yes, a world of hate and godlessness And to think all this, this emptiness Yes, this was my way Then God showed me His Son his son who died on Calvary's mountain And I saw flow from his side A crimson tide, a redeeming fountain And I heard his voice cry out Father, it is done, redemption's finished And then God tenderness said this is my way and someday he'll come this risen Christ who gave himself a sacrifice that all the world shall know his name and every tongue his praise proclaim and on that day, I can shout and say, I did it God's way. Let the record show, I took life's blows and did it God's way. And that is the truth. Uh, I appreciate it. I was, got the phone. For, I remember when Roger and his, a bunch of the crowd came over and, and uh, they purchased that CD. I had no idea at the time. They'd give it to Jason. And he called me and God had done a fresh work in his life. He said, Brother Eddie, I want to do something to touch this city for Jesus Christ. And it's interesting that four or five years ago, or several years ago, I really had a passion for Tifton, Georgia. I'd come down to see my friend Kano Goff and some other folks. And... Uh, uh, just really had a burden for whatever reason, but that was years ago. And then he calls me, says, what can we do? And I said, well, in my opinion, I would call New Song. And for those of you who don't know, I had the privilege of being in that group for a little over 13 years. And so uh, we called, and it's interesting, at the board meeting, the last one we had, someone made this statement, and these are people who are, that you all would probably all know that Jason has selected to be on the board to Road Less Traveled. And the comment was made, if there never is a concert, 
my life has been blessed. It's been worth it all if we stop right here. So I just want you to know, I've been doing this for 31 years, probably close to 3,000 concerts. And I've seen enough religion, Brother Wayne, to just make you want to just throw up. And boy, to just be around a bunch of people who have no other, no other plan, no other passion, but to see God show up and do something, uh, just, just be awesome, amen? And so thank you again for that privilege. We're beginning of counselors. Thank you, John Hughes, for he's come up with a whole big crowd of counselors from First Baptist, and we're grateful. And uh, it's been tough, to be honest with you, coming up with enough counselors for this. So anyway, you pray, but we're going to be meeting with them at 530. But let me share very quickly my story and, uh, and kind of where we are with all of this. And God's really spoken to my heart so clearly about where we are, I think, in these last days. And uh, and what a fitting and wonderful thing to do to follow what God's done in my life with his shed blood and his broken body. And I'm, for, I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for the cross. Amen. Just thankful he didn't kill me when he should have. I'm just grateful for mercy. So anyway, I grew up over here in Albany, Georgia. Started coming to Tifton with my bands. We started playing over here for your junior seniors and your senior proms and your, all those kind of things. And so we did that for a number of years. And after I... I uh, played uh, in Albany High School. I went to Valdosta State on the baseball scholarship. And uh, there has continued to make music and carry on and was not very uh, interested in school. And so anyway, uh, after my eligibility was over with, I began to travel on the road. And uh, uh, we used to play at the Beach Club. The guy that owned the Beach Club in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, actually booked our band. So we got to open for the Four Seasons and the Four Tops and Three Dog Night and Tina Turner, The Drift, all those old, you remember for the, out of that generation, all those bands and those groups. And I love contemporary music, don't get me wrong, but you ain't lived till you heard the platters say. I'm just telling you, you don't know nothing about singing until you hear the drifters sing. I wish I could get a witness up in here tonight. But anyway, I love that great music. But anyway, so anyway, uh, as it turned out, I had, uh, I was graced in Albany in the Methodist church over there. Nothing against those sweet folks, I'm sure they told me, but I missed the plan of salvation. I never, president of the MYF for 100 years, but never got saved over there. But anyway, started traveling on the road and just opening for a lot of these people. And, but I had a problem back in Albany, Georgia, was my father, Edward H. Milton Sr. He and I had a terrible relationship. Uh, my dad fought in World War II, and in my humble opinion, I believe it really messed him up. And my father became, a, he was a very, Tough guy to live with, a big man. And so uh, we didn't have a very good relationship. So when I left and went off on the road, and I finally got as bigger, bigger than him, when I, he, he would come in the front door and I'd just go out the back. When I would call home, I'd just tell my mom, just tell him I said hello. And it just seemed like we was always, we just could not get along. It was terrible. So I was, one weekend I was traveling with my van. I came home. And uh, my roommate said, man, you need to call this number, this lady called. And I recognized it to be the number of uh, my best buddy growing up. We played little league ball together in Albany. And he was my roommate in college and, and uh, his name was Jack. And uh, so I called and got the message that Jack's dad had died. And so there's the first person that really close to me like that. And I drove back to Albany and uh, the funeral was just horrible. I, I just didn't know how to respond to it. I drove back to North Carolina where I was living, and just shortly thereafter, my trumpet player had borrowed some money to buy a washer and dryer from his mom and dad, and he drove back home, and when he got back home, his wife standing in the little crying. He said, what's the matter? She said, your daddy's dead. 
He goes, you're kidding. I mean, I got a check. I just, he just wrote this check. He's gone. He's gone. So two of my friend's fathers passed away in a very short period of time. And after that second funeral, I'm telling you, it really impacted my life. How many of you would understand when you start putting people in a box and dropping them in the ground and covering them up, that's significant. Death has a way and tragedy has a way of leveling the playing field. It has a way of opening up your understanding in a fresh new way. After the second, after my, the second funeral, I went back to my apartment and I wish I could tell you that I called Brother Wayne or called some other, my pastor, Johnny Hunt, back in Atlanta. No, but I didn't, not only was I not a Christian, I didn't even know a Christian. So I went and got a half a gallon of my favorite sipping whiskey and I sat and began to drink. And young boys and girls, this is before Brother Eddie knew Jesus. And I started to drink. And guess who I had on my mind? You see, it was probably the Four Tops because they were my favorite group. And we just done a concert with them, but it was not them. It was my father. And my dad and I just had, it was awful. And I would pick up the phone. I said, I just need to call him. And I slammed the phone back down. I said, no, he's been, he's, he's, he's a jerk. He's, I don't, I don't want to talk to him. But then I'd pick up the phone and try to call. Finally, it was middle of the night. Long story short, I finally called my home in Albany, Georgia. My mom answered the phone. I said, I'd like to speak to my dad. He comes to the phone, and here's how the story progressed. I said, Dad, I just want to tell you some stuff. I know that you and I don't get along, and I know we've had a hard time. I mean, we couldn't even sit down and have a dinner together without it ended up in a war. And I said, I just want you to know, I know we have a hard time, but I've seen two of my friends put their dads in boxes, and they dropped them in the ground and covered them up, and I was just wondering, what if that had been you? And I just want you to know something. If I never see you again, and you never hear my voice again, I want you to remember that the last thing your son said to you is, sir, I love you very much. I'm sorry for the way I've acted, and I hate the way we treat each other. It's just not right. And the big man broke, and he said, I love you too, bud. And he said something interesting, son, it's not all your fault. And so we asked, well, I guess I better go, and I'll see you later. So, uh, Next thing you know, the phone conversation's over with. The next day, our agent called and said, you got three days off, do what you want to do. I knew what I was going to do. I was flying to all Benny, Georgia to see my dad. Jumped on that airplane. I said, you tell him I said, pick me up at the airport. He's there waiting on me. That little crop duster landed over there. I got out and it looked like Tifton and Valdosta going at it on the 50 yard line. I put my head right in the numbers, picked him up, threw him on the ground, fell on top of him, pulled out his shirt tail and messed up his hair. <laughs> and nobody said a word with about 500 pounds of meat rolling on the ground, but it was awesome. I, we had a great time, tore up our arms, busted our britches. And my dad got up and we shook hands and walked off. And from that day forward, my father and I never had a cross word. And you would say, well, Brother Eddie, did, did you get it all right? No, we didn't get it all right. But we got where we could sit down and have a conversation together. Night in July of 72, before most of y'all were born, I went to Atlanta to do some things that I should not have been doing. And when I came back from that to my place of business, they said, Eddie, you need to, you need to go see your dad. He's in bad shape. It's awful. My father worked with the sheriff's department over here in Early County. And I sped over there to the little town of Blakely, Georgia. He was born and raised in Damascus. And uh, went to the emergency room. My whole family's in there weeping. And I said, what's the matter? My sister said, our dad has collapsed of a massive cerebral brain hemorrhage. 
and he's not coming back. He was 49. So I said, where is he? And as I began to close my testimony, or actually begin to close it, I went into the hospital room and I pulled a chair up next to his bedside and students, I reached out and I took that hand. And the reason I got a baseball scholarship is because he would come home from work wearing those old red camel breeches, khaki breeches, and dig a hole in that old South Georgia sand and he'd slide down in that hole because he hurt his back in the war. He couldn't bend like a catcher. Until I could hit every spot with every pitch, we didn't go to supper. I never thanked him for that. I took that hand and I held it and I begged him to sit up. Just sit up for one minute. I want to tell you how much I love you. And I also want to tell you about some things you did to crush me and I want to get it right. I begged, I asked, and he never woke up. A lady walked in and said, son, you have to leave. And they backed me out of that hospital room. They unplugged that machine, and three days later, we buried my father. Somebody would say, Eddie, you lost your dad. No, lost we can't find. I'd just like to report to you that I didn't find this out until I was actually in New Song. Before my father died, a Southern Baptist pastor named Andy Lanier went by my father's office one day and led my dad to Jesus Christ. I'll see him again. So here's the story. If, if God would have said, Big Ed, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. I'm going to let you beam down and talk to this wild thing. You said, Brother Ed, what would he say to you? Let me tell you exactly. I know him well enough to know this. And you know your mom and dad. He'd say, son, get your life straightened out. Finish your education. Take care of your mother and sisters. I did take care of my mother and sisters. I did go back to Valdosta State. My grade point average was all, all, dot, care of the alt something. I don't remember what it was, but it was not good. We were not into academics, students. That's all I got to say about that. But I did find out something interesting. When you got to pay for it, you make better grades. No scholarship. We studied hard. Amen? But anyway, my mom and sister, my mother just passed away. I'll have to come and tell you about that another day, November a year ago. And my 58-year-old sister died a year later. But anyway, getting your life straightened out, I ran into a fellow named Eddie Carswell, Tifton's own. Rojo, I believe some call him. Eddie Carswell uh, used to come to see me in the places over there, and he was a songwriter. And we began a friendship, and boy, just instantly we got to be very, very good friends. Eddie left Albany over there for the bank and went to Valdosta State College, Pastor, to be the loan officer at the school. And he called me and said, Middleton, your dad's a, you're a, a, a child of a deceased veteran. We can get you some money. So I went back to school. And Eddie Carswell got saved in the month of May of 1976. And he goes to this fanatical Baptist preacher over there and he said, Pastor, my best friend has lost his last year's Easter egg. What do we do? And they said something interesting, what I'm, I'm told later. They said, we need to pray for him. Isn't that a novel concept? So they started praying and somebody, the pastor would go to the pulpit. And remember now, I played in the nightclubs and I played a lot of nightclubs down here. Some of y'all really look familiar to me in this section right over here. I can't believe I said that. We're about to have communion. What am I thinking about? Got to get it right, right? But anyway, so uh, went and tells this pastor, he said, we need to pray for him. Somebody said, if you're going to pray for him, my goodness, you need to pray for my husband. He said, oh, Lord, pray for my son and daughter. And he said, wait a minute. So it ends up, in a long story short, I was told, I never saw it, but they said they had a big, huge white poster board outside of the pastor's door 
And across the top it said, Hot 100 lost without God. That's seeker friendly, don't you think? Kind of politically correct. And they said my name was number one. Well, then people would walk by, and listen to this, church. Rather than walk by and judge, we were, they were encouraged to walk by and intercede. That's to go to God on that person's behalf. And this went on for weeks and weeks. And then finally, in December of 1976, they had a revival. And on a Friday night, they were dogging me to come sing at that revival. And I said to them this, I'll come sing you one song. If you'll do this, let me alone. The most dangerous words that ever crossed the human lips to a holy God and to people trying to reach you is let you alone. Aren't you grateful that he did not leave us alone? So I come to sing that Friday night, pulled up in front of the church, got there, walked in, sat on the back row, and an evangelist named Dr. Jerry Spencer stood and preached out of Acts 16, Paul and Silas in the Philippian jailer, God's long arm of love, and how he reached down into an old nasty jail and shook the locks off the jailhouse doors. And Paul and Silas were back in there, and they thought, the jailer thought that he'd lost his prisoners in all of that chaos. And he pulled out his sword to kill himself, because back then you lost your prisoner. It cost you your life. And Paul and Silas said from back in the dungeon, Sir, don't hurt yourself, we're still here. And that man fell at the feet of Paul and Silas and he said something that really grabbed my heart. He said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The world is still listening and the world is still asking that same question. What do we need to do to be forgiven? We in the church need to make it simple, simple enough that a little child even can understand it. And that man preached the gospel, and they asked me to come up and sing a song. And I walked up to the platform, and a fellow sat on the floor right next to me, Riley Rutland, owns Rutland's Music Company. His dad, Georgia Slim Rutland, is in the Country Music Hall of Fame. Riley used to play the guitar for Billy Joe Royal in Las Vegas. And we began to sing Just a Closer Walk With Thee. And I tried to sing that song. I just signed with CBS Epic Records. Man, we're making more money than I ever made in my life. Had the best band I'd ever had in my life. B.J. Thomas's old band traveled with me. I was standing there trying to sing that song, and I began to sing, I am weak, but thou art strong. And these people were not listening to me sing. All I could hear was people praying. I could hear a buzz through that crowd. And hardly anybody was looking at me. And I could hear, help him, God. Save him, Lord. I hear whispers all throughout that place. And they were praying for me. My mom was home praying for me. God loves mamas. It's unbelievable. And boy, I, I, I tried to sing, I'll be satisfied. And I could hear these people praying. And I finally stopped in the middle of that song. And I said with tears, please continue to pray for me. And that night, the spirit of the living God reached down and touched my heart. I looked at Jesus and somebody said, Eddie, what did you know that night that caused you to be saved? 
Pastor, you may want to help me with this later on, but it's took, it's, it took now for almost 34 years. And I said, here's what I knew for sure. I knew for sure I had done the sinning. And the only thing I knew is Jesus was the only one that could help me. And I said yes to him. And for the first time in my life, in just a moment, pastors will come and we'll observe the ordinance of the Lord's Supper to take communion. And may I say something to you as my time is winding down. For the first time in my life, I look to the cross. You know, we look to that cross. People wear them all the time. But for the first time in my life, I looked to the cross. And I saw him hanging there. And I realized I put him there. I was the reason. He went through what he went through. You don't really understand salvation. Do you look? Believe. And I transferred my trust. I didn't know what that meant. I got saved. I didn't even know what that meant. But I knew this. I wanted to tell him thank you for being willing to do that for me. May we have just a moment of prayer as we prepare to close this, end, this part of the program. Would you just bow your heads with me for just a moment, please? If you're here tonight and you've never come to the place in your life that you've truly, truly been saved and Come to this life-changing experience that you can only find through the Lord Jesus Christ. I just left Douglas, Georgia this morning. A couple was telling me about their son-in-law who's been radically saved and it saved his marriage, it saved his life, it saved his children and his grandchildren and all the things he's doing to be part of the local body of believers. And he's studying his Bible and on and on and on. It's just a changed man. And I know about that because I know God changed my want-tos and he wants to change yours. And the only way to do that is to simply realize in your heart that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's not one, no, not one good. And it's such, such a heartbreaking thing to think that hell is going to be full of good, sweet, sincere people because good, sweet, sincere people can't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. Sinners who have acknowledged that they're sinners in need of a Savior. And then to call on Him, to ask Him, to invite Him, to come into your heart, to your life, to ask Him to be your personal Lord and Savior. Believing that He did die on the cross and He rose from the dead. And you know, the enemy, the devil, believes everything I just said. And the difference in us and them is that I have humbled myself. How about you? And I have asked him to save my soul. Willing to turn from the way I've been going. So as we enter and move on into this service, I pray that if you've never placed your personal faith and trust in Jesus, if you didn't, Died this morning. When you got up this morning, all of a sudden your heart, it quit beating. You say, Eddie, don't even say that. I have no idea if I go to heaven or hell. Well, I want to tell you something. There's somebody here to talk with you, to help you. So before this day is done, make sure that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, Jesus lives in your heart.
Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for these sweet people. We give you credit, honor, and glory for all that you've done. Lord, there's nothing we can do that's good apart from the power and the work of your spirit. We love you. And I want to thank you when I care nothing at all about you. Care nothing about you. You still love me. We bless you for who you are. In Jesus' name.